somewhere along the way, corporate recruiting started to not be a fit for me. And so I felt a lot of empathy and a lot of like sitting in my candidate's seat. I really started to feel those same things that they were feeling. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We hope you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Okay, what happens when you decide your current job no longer fits you? Yes, it can be jarring to realize the role you once thought was the perfect fit is no longer right for you. But we see this happen all the time. And I've experienced it myself. Many times, what's happened is your values or your priorities have shifted as time has gone on and you've realized you want something else. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And yes, it can be difficult to accept that you've outgrown a role that you envisioned you would be in for the long haul, but it can be even more difficult to leave that role, to leave that situation. But don't let your aversion to loss or risk keep you trapped in an unfulfilling opportunity. It's possible to find a new fulfilling role. Please take off that pressure that you have to figure this out right now. The awareness, acknowledging the awareness that this is not a fit is amazing and good. And let's honor that. That's Megan Crawford. She's a career coach and strategist on our team right here at HTYC. Megan is a wife. She's a mom, a meditator, artist, self-awareness advocate, and she refers to herself as a general nerd, which I appreciate immensely. Megan has been a career coach since 2015, and she's worked for companies like The Muse, Full Stack Academy. But before she became a coach, she worked in recruiting for 12 years for companies such as Deloitte, Booz Allen Hamilton. She worked with many industries over the course of her career, IT, accounting, finance, marketing, sales, design, just to name a few. During her time recruiting, she was also an adjunct professor at Drexel University, specializing in, you guessed it, career planning. Megan made a major career transition from recruiting to coaching when she had the realization that recruiting no longer aligned with her values or what she actually wanted out of her life. You'll hear her recount her personal career change story, and as we go along, She'll share her advice and expertise that she has gained over the years on how to strategically find what fits you. Here she is. I started out really naturally falling into recruiting. I've always easily connected with people. I've always loved learning about people's stories and recruiting was like a really good match for me. I've also always been really good at getting jobs. Like since I was little, 14 years old, always really loved working. I loved having my own money. I loved learning different jobs. And so I've always been really good at getting the job that I wanted before recruiting. And so what that was the, well. Hold on. What was the 14-year-old yeah, yeah. story? I'm now very so, curious uh, yeah, about that. So like, what was, did you do at 14 years old where it's just like... So boom. I worked at a gift shop, like a little card, like... They sold Hallmark cards and little knickknacks, little presents. And I worked the cashier and I sold lottery tickets. I loved it. Oh, interesting. So that's that especially resonates with me because my daughter just relatively recently got her first 
real job at, at yeah. 14. With all the kids, I, I helped them start a business at age 12, but this was her first like you know, W-2 type type job. And she yeah. also apparently is good at getting getting jobs. So you were in yeah. the gift shop. You, mm-hmm. You're selling lottery <laughs> tickets. You're doing all the things. And it sounds like that set you up to enjoy working as well. So yeah. what, what continued to transpire as you moved beyond, let's say, yeah. age 14? From day one, from that position, I loved helping customers find what they needed. I loved helping them pick out the perfect card. I loved making them happy. I mean, it was like an early thing for me, that sort of customer experience. It was ingrained. I went on from there to work in several in the Philadelphia region, hoagie and cheesesteak places. Yes. So I was a sandwich builder for a good six, seven years for high school and and into college. And again, just that experience of working directly with with the customer, making them happy with food at that point. I loved those jobs. I literally loved those jobs. And just from there, through college, I worked in food service, but then I also I started working in an office in college, and it was in a student support office, so like life and support office. So I was an admin, and again, I was just literally helping people, whether it was finding resources on campus or just within within their own life, like, hey, I need to I need to find a job in this community, and I I had the resources for them, so that set me up for my first really. My first office job was in, was in college. Interesting. So where did where and how did that evolve into recruiting? Yeah. So when I graduated, just literally started to apply to jobs and one of them was a temporary job at Booz Allen Hamilton in uh, in Virginia and they hired me contract to temporary. It was like a temp job. And then within a week they hired me full full on as a recruiting assistant. Oh. I didn't even know what recruiting was at that point legitimately. They're like, yeah, you can be a recruiting assistant. I said, okay. Sounds great. There I was. There I was. (laughs) (laughs) This is so long ago. It's so funny to think back. (laughs) (laughs) So then what was that experience like for you? What did you enjoy about it? What was very different than what you thought recruiting was going to be? Tell me, tell me all the things. Yeah, so I really got a great foundation on the structure of hiring in a large organization. I I, I got to understand the different components and the, the departments that needed people, right? So mm-hmm. to hire. So it was everything from posting job descriptions, sourcing. It was talking to like, like that initial conversation, scheduling huge interview days, like 100 people scheduling 100 people to interview with multiple parts of the organization. So I had a really good functional knowledge of recruiting and an understanding of of how it operates within a big business. Mm -hmm. How long did you spend overall in recruiting? Was it about, if I remember, over over a decade, like 10, 12 years or so? Yeah, it was about 12 years. Mm -hmm. What, What did you get to learn along the way? as you were continuing to evolve in recruiting, what did mm-hmm. what did that trajectory look like for you? Yeah, for a while, it was really just playing that part of recruiter and putting, helping to hire people, helping to facilitate that process. But along the way, I really started to pay attention to right fit. Mm. And it was something that I just couldn't let go of. 
and understanding how different organizations make their hiring decisions and really gravitating towards the candidates' stories and lives and were they making good decisions for their career? Were they making decisions that would benefit them as a person? And I I tended toward that aspect versus the recruiting and hiring aspect. So I, I, I sensed a shift in me <laughs> for sure and how I approached it. What do you think caused you to be really interested in that area? I think I was also sensing a shift in myself Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way, corporate recruiting started to not be a fit for me. And so I felt a lot of empathy and a lot of like sitting in my candidate's seat, like they were trying to find something new. I really started to feel those same things that they were feeling. What, what did you notice when you were, when you were there and you're Mm -hmm. feeling some of those things, what were some of those things that started to no longer be a fit. Maybe they were once before, but as you continued throughout your career in recruiting, what were some examples of that? Yeah, I can I can think of a few examples. One in particular really stands out for me and it it was hiring teams. I'll speak about it a little bit generally because it happened on several occasions, but hiring teams that were making poor choices and being very very narrow-minded in, in the candidates that they were even willing to look at. So if you think about, oh, I'll only hire somebody that has an MBA from a certain school and sort of that very, very knobby approach to how they would view candidate resumes. I got a really bad taste in my mouth about that because I, on the other hand, am talking to these magical candidates who have the experience, can do the job, absolutely can do the job. And me having to communicate to them no, we can't move you forward. It just, it was a huge disconnect from my values. It was a huge disconnect from like what made sense. So so that's a big one that stands out for me that just making decisions about hiring behind the scenes from a company perspective that just did not make sense. That definitely rubs me the wrong way. It infringes <laughs> upon, I'll say my values as well. And I, I think moral compasses too. Not not so much about being dead set about a certain type of candidate, but where you have all of this potential and people are just not open to considering other ways of other original ways in order to get to the same same I guess goal achievement. Yeah, yeah. I one hundred. It's 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 that exactly. You know, if we're on the same path, headed towards the same. Outcome or goal, like you said, then why do those little details matter? Why does it matter where they got their MBA if the person can do the job? And so, really, naturally, I started to talk more to the candidates about, uh-huh. you know, and say to them, "Hey, I really think that maybe you sh- this isn't a fit for you," which isn't what you're supposed to do in recruiting, <laughs> right? You're not supposed supposedly to be- it's <laughs> not. So I hear <laughs> supposedly I may or may supposedly. not have done the same thing, but. So I hear right. that that's frowned on. <laughs> I really started, I think, career coaching before I even really knew what career coaching was, honestly. Yeah. What did that look like at first, where you're having those conversations? Do you remember one that stands out for you, a particular individual where you are <laughs> you are having a very different conversation as opposed to just let's hey get you in here and and move you along in this process and it seems like a great fit what 
what was one of those examples or, or stories where the conversation was different, different than normal? And you unofficially yeah. maybe were doing some coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was a software developer and I was hiring really technical people who had to be consultants also. So they had to sort of play two, two roles, consultant and software developer. And so it was a specific profile, right? It was a specific type of person. And I remember talking to, I remember talking to this guy and he he was so smart and so into software development, right? Like that was his thing. We had several conversations and I mean, over months, it was a, it was a long, <laughs> long relationship for recruiting anyhow. And I remember him talking about, like when we would talk about the idea of consulting and the idea of going into the client and the idea of maybe talking about other things that we did and upselling that kind of stuff. Right. And panic would <laughs> go across his face and not just panic, like, oh, you know, I've never done that before, but I'll try. It was like, he really legitimately didn't want to be client facing. Mm. And I think he was trying to fit himself into roles because he, he needed a job. He wanted a, a different job. And the more we talked, I just had this gut, gut reaction to not moving him forward. And I was very, very honest with him. And I said, I just don't think that this is right for you. I don't think that this is the right path for you. I think you should be hyper-focused on finding what is right for you. I don't want to have a conversation six months from now that says like, hey, I had this feeling, I knew this wouldn't be a fit. And so I, I did it in the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what happened out of that? I'm so curious how he reacted. No, he totally agreed. I think he needed the permission of someone saying it out loud, honestly. <laughs> he he agreed. He's because yeah, he 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 knew more about himself than he I think realized. And I think us talking and just saying things out loud helped him know that just because this job was available and all these other things looked good, maybe just didn't look good for him. So let me ask you about that because that's something that you and I both know we see all the time with clients. Mm -hmm. And we see all the time with people that we interact with that aren't aren't HTYC clients too, where they're going down a specific trajectory because they think that they have to or any number of other, whether it's obligations or they feel like they should do it or a thousand reasons, right? Yeah. And I heard you say just a moment ago, you, you felt like he needed some level of permission to not just keep going the same same trajectory. Why do you think that we find it so difficult to change trajectory without someone else acknowledging it, even though mm -hmm. it sounds like he already knew? Sounds like based on what you're telling me, he already knew in that situation, right? Yeah, I think I think it's a lot of reasons, but I think in the beginning, it's that fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. I talk about this a lot with clients. School and early career even is very linear and it can be sort of easy to follow that linear path of like, okay, if I do this, then this is going to be the outcome. And then many times, oftentimes, people get to a point where it's not linear anymore. Something just doesn't feel, something feels off and they know that they want to make a change, but not knowing what that next change is, is scary. And I, I think at least just acknowledging it, saying, look, I don't know what is next. It's uncertain. And I say this a lot. I say, if we allow it, this uncertainty can just be possibility, right? And so just opening it up. Because if we're sitting in that moment of uncertainty, then we're closed off 
to to different options. So I just say, let's take a step back. Let's let's acknowledge the uncertainty and know that it's there, but let's just be open to it. But I think that's it's the fear of the uncertainty in, in the very beginning, for sure. I love what you said, and this is such a good reframe, which I know, you know reframe is a very coachy word, I suppose. But I really think it is such a good reframe. You said uncertainty, if we allow it, can be possibility. Same yeah. exact thing, <laughs> same exact time, same exact situation, mm-hmm. just literally in how we look at it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if we get stuck into the idea, like this narrow-minded view, like there's only one or two things that I can do next based on what I've done in the past, we will be six months from now making having the same feeling of something's off. Yeah. So where did you start to give yourself permission to look at possibility or possibilities when you recognized that recruiting, which once was a fit and once was wonderful, started to increasingly be less of a fit for you? Yeah. So I took a job. I was enamored by the money. I was enamored by the prestige of this job. Yeah. It was in recruiting and I I took it and I took it with a gut feeling knowing that I shouldn't have. Okay. Oh no. And I have done yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and it and yeah. And I was sitting in it and I I had a conver- and I had a boss that wasn't a fit that he knew I, he wasn't a fit. And I remember sitting on the phone with him and it was a very corporate environment. It was it just it just wasn't a fit anymore. And I remember having this conversation and I said out loud, I made a mistake. <laughs> I made a mistake. And he he kind of didn't know what I was talking about, but it was a, really more of an acknowledgement for myself that mm-hmm. it had become so crystal clear that this was no longer a fit, that I had to listen to what I was at that point doing on the side. <laughs> at that point, I was naturally getting referrals of people needing help whether it be with their resume or like how to think about jobs. I'm in a brainstormer. So you come to me with like something that you want to do. I'm going to come up with all these ideas and I see possibility, right? So I was already naturally doing that on the side. And I was like, well, I, I need to really look at this. Is this something? Is this something that I can do as a career? Yeah, that that conversation <laughs> was a real turning point for me. That's so interesting. I didn't realize, this is why I love having these types of conversations for the podcast, because even though you and I have interacted many times, I didn't know that that conversation took place. You and I have that commonality. Like I, I told <laughs> my, I had a similar situation where I took a, took a role, everything appeared to be great, was sort of, I don't know, enamored with many of the pieces of it, even though deep down I knew that one I wasn't really that excited about and it was probably the wrong fit. And then a year later took me way longer than it took you, it sounds like. But a I year was six later, months. I was six months in. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you for not waiting well yeah. over a year. And I told yeah. my boss it was a mistake. And yeah. Yeah. So what happened after that point for you? Looking back, I I looked for any opportunity that would allow me to be touching coaching. That would be a like anything that was adjacent to it. So I wound up taking a part-time role at an outplacement organization and a relocation organization where I got immediately got coach training. And I was also helping people who were relocating. It was part-time. And honestly, at that moment, it was like, it sealed the deal for me. 
whatever I could do to stay in the space of coaching, learn about coaching, continue coaching was what I was going to do. So really it, it forced me to look outside of where I had looked. I promised myself I would not look at recruiting roles. I took recruiting out of my search terms <laughs> and only put in the things that I wanted to continue doing in my search terms. Hold um, on, that sounds like such a small thing, but I think that that's very powerful where you had to decide and commit to no longer intentionally or accidentally pursuing the same activity. And I think we, mm -hmm. you and I have probably both seen many people where we continue to search on job boards over and over again for something that we know isn't really a want. thing that we don't want. And we just keep we doing it because it's easy and it's mm -hmm. habitual and everything. Mm -hmm. I wrote it down. I wrote down, I will not get another corporate recruiting job. I promised myself. That is, the, I think, the biggest thing that I did, the biggest gift I gave to myself in terms of making the change happen is that I promised myself that I would not put myself in that situation again because it was not a fit. So it was more than a decision because it, you know, definitely a decision, but it was the promise to, to me <laughs> that changed the game for me so that, yeah, I'm not going to look at recruiting roles anymore. This is eight years ago at this point, but I decided I'm no longer, I'm only going to put search terms in that uh, of functional skills that I want to continue doing. Mm, yeah, that's powerful. That declaration or commitment. And we've talked on the podcast before about clarity, which a lot of people say, hey, I'm looking for clarity and this and this and this and this. And what we don't realize is that clarity comes in sometimes small tidbits from making those declarations, making those commitments. And <laughs> it's a product of that or a byproduct of that, I should say, as opposed to just finding clarity up on the mountain or anything. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> right, yeah. And so here's what I'm curious about. For someone else who is in that situation where they know they no longer want to pursue the same path in one way or another, what advice would you give them? What advice would you give them to help make big or small or intermediate size promises or declarations for themselves? Yeah. I think in the very, very beginning of the process, I would I would offer to someone that they do not have to figure it all out right now. Take the pressure off of yourself mm -hmm. to make this amazing choice right now and figure it all out right now. It's impossible to figure it out right now. It was a process for me to get to the point where I know that this is my magical role. Like I know I'm in my lane coaching. I know that now. It's been a process and it was a process to shift over to that. So a number one, please take off that pressure that you have to figure this out right now. That the awareness, acknowledging the awareness that this is not a fit is amazing and good. And let's honor that. Like you, you realize that, that this isn't a fit. That's great. Now, now let's start with the openness and, and really get into research mode, right? Let's get into research mode and, and, and then start there. I appreciate that. I have one more question for you. What causes you to keep doing the work that you do now? I had a conversation with you not that long ago where you had said something, this probably won't be the exact quote, but it was something very much along the lines of, I have found that I love the 
the coaching and these types of interactions with people, particularly as it relates to, to people moving through their careers. And I'm going to do this work no matter, no matter what. And at the time we were talking about whether you were a right fit for the team and that our team was a right fit for you. And it was just, it, it, it resonated with me because you're like, I'm doing this no matter what. We just need to figure out if this is a fit. And I thought that was very, very powerful. And that's a lot of the time it is where we're trying to get our clients to, to have that mm -hmm. level of specificity in what they're looking for so that they can just figure out if something's a fit or not. But yeah. what, what do you particularly love? What are some of those things that fall into that category for what keeps you doing this type of work? For me, coaching isn't just a job. It's, it's really helping people on their long journey, right? Their journey of their career. And as we know, our careers, our jobs have such a ripple effect in, in our whole lives and mm -hmm. the people around us. And so for me, I think the impact of coaching is helping people build a better life, working toward an ideal and I think everyone deserves to sort of move to that better spot or move to something that makes them whole so that the rest of their life can feel that way. So what gets me up in the morning and what keeps me moving and keeps me coaching is is that, is is helping people get to their ideal, not just career, but but life, really. Hey, something I want to let you know, the seemingly impossible career change stories that you hear on the podcast are actually from people just like you who are listening to this podcast and decided to take action and have a conversation with our team. If you want to implement what you heard and you want to completely change your life and your career, then let's figure out how we can help. So here's what I would suggest. Just take your phone right now, open it up, go to your email app and... Type me an email, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just put conversation in the subject line. And when you do that, I'll introduce you to the right person on our team and can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you and support you in your situation. So open that up right now and send me an email with conversation in the subject line to scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. We really are changing not just the way that people think about how they do work and how they get work, but I think even before we start that work, we start helping folks understand themselves. The reason why we exist as an organization is not just to help people get promotions, but instead to be able to change the way that work happens and even the way that we think about work so that we can make it much more fulfilling for humans. That's the impact that we want to have as an organization. And it really does start with individuals. It starts with you listening to this podcast and making a decision to do work differently, to find what's going to fit you and be able to live that out in your world through your career. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out. Adios.